Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday, so you know what that means. On the episode of Rap Lab Podcast, it's your boy, the candy man, the ALFRE to the D. What up, what up? It's your boy, the one and only, the only one, all caps, no spaces, the Rev Bob MC. This is Dr. QG with the PhD. If you need your hip-hop fix, come see me. And uh, today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we talking about... <laughs> albums that was advertised but never came out uh this episode was written into rap lab pod at gmail.com uh by rashid from springfield massachusetts uh rashid we definitely appreciate you writing in uh and if you want a topic that you want to hear uh make sure y'all write in at rap lab pod at gmail.com instagram dm rap lab pod or uh hit us up on twitter at rap lab pod so I just want to give a shout out to Rashid because this was his uh, idea and brainchild. So the criteria for today's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, album that we may have seen online in a in a, in a booklet for from another album that was advertised, even on TV, that was mentioned that never saw the light of day. And we'll, uh, we'll talk about why it's significant and uh, yeah, so and give our thoughts on it and what it could have been. So we'll start off first with uh with the Dr. QG. Uh, talk to us, man. What's your first pick? Yes, sir. My first pick is MC Hammer, the Two Type album. Now we all Ooh. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to give wasn't you that story. wasn't that wasn't that supposed to be on Death Row? Yes, it was supposed to be on Death Row. Uh, MC Hammer, who we all know was a well-established artist who sold millions, but then he started the decline in the mid '90s. He was criticized all over the place by many rappers because of his success. All the awards. He sold 10 million copies with one album. But I felt that around 1994, when the Funky Headhunter came out, this is when you had the song Pumps in a Bump. The music changed. You know, it was more reality rap, storytelling, you know, gangster rap, as they call it, was at an all time high. And Hammer was kind of lost. So, enter Suge Knight. Hammer met Suge in 1988 when Suge was a bodyguard for Bobby Brown. And they established a relationship from then. Hammer knew Pac from Oakland, because Pac used to live in Oakland. So Pac wrote a majority of the songs. Johnny J, who was Pac's exclusive producer, produced the tracks. And the songs leaked on YouTube. You could actually find the whole album online. One of my favorite songs from it is a song called Too Late Player with Big Daddy Kane, Tupac, mm. Nut, Nutso, and Danny Boy singing the hook. You could actually go on YouTube and see video footage of Pac recording the vocals for the song Too Tight with the singer Nancy Fletcher. And, um, you know, Hammer was concerned, though, about the lifestyle of Death Row. This was about 1995 going into 96. And Hammer is not a gangster. That's that's not who he is. And the and the controversy that surrounded Death Row. It wasn't it wasn't something that Hammer wanted to be around. And in the same time, Pac died, Shook goes to jail. So it kind of just fizzled out afterwards. And for all you fans out there who have the Tupac Greatest Hits album, the song Unconditional Love is actually a song for Hammer. And Pac's version came out after Pac died. But now you could listen to the entire album online. There's the version of Unconditional Love that Hammer did do. Same vocals and all. And when you look at the track listing, there's a two short disc on here. It's a song called Get Up. And, you know, people used to take shots at Hammer all the time. Shorts from Oakland, Hammer's from Oakland. So, you know, there was criticism because Hammer was, you know, he's not the lyrical guy, but he's an entertainer. He can dance. He... He had that crossover commercial appeal that these guys were not getting. You know, he peaked after a while. He peaked after after his uh, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him album that sold 10 million copies. Where do you go after that? So, uh, yeah, Too Tight is my first pick. Also, Spice One, Mac Maul, and Corrupt is all over this album. And you know, Pac wrote, like, I want to say 90% of the album. So it would have helped out Hammer for, you know, at that time. It would have been legit. It could have, you know, revitalized his career. He was on one of the biggest labels in the world, but it just didn't work out. 
And you know what's crazy? It's hard to think of Hammer on Death Row because, you know, you think of MC Hammer, you think of the pants and the dance. Exactly. And Hammer Time. Exactly. You know, they tried to redo his image. And you could actually see photos. You could see photos of Hammer hanging out with Pac and Suge and Snoop. They were actually doing the register to vote thing. They were together hanging around each other. I believe Hammer was in Vegas from what I heard. And what I read, so Hammer Hammer was down, you know. He he was down with Death Row, and unfortunately, the deal couldn't really work. So, Suge really wanted to help him because they didn't like how Hammer was being treated. They didn't like how he was being dogged. So they was like, "Yo, man, let's help this guy out." He helped put, you know, Oakland on the map with with the rest of the guys. He took hip hop somewhere, and he was friends with Pac and Suge, so they wanted to do him a favor. Well. Well, at least the album uh, eventually got leaked online. So yeah, yeah, you can get the whole thing online. All right, so we uh, we shifted over to you, uh, uh, Mr. Rev. Uh, what you got for us? All right, so I got Nas and DJ Premier's collaborative album, tentatively <clears throat> titled "Finally." <clears throat> yeah, it's a shame that this album never came out. It was teased in 2013, and I believe again in 2020 and um these guys have collaborated in, in the past they recently collaborated on Nas' last album magic with the asap rocky feature and the fans really want this because every time these guys get together just like Nas's album um title it's magic they, they do amazing work together and a big surprise for me was that you know dj premier wanted to be on life is good and um i guess he gave Nas a cut and he didn't make the final album uh, trackless but with two hip-hop heavyweights it's kind of like like wanting like lebron and kd on the same team i know that's kind of like present day news and there's rumors and stuff will it happen you know we'll see and that's kind of like with the nod as a dj premiere album will it happen we'll see they already have the title called finally which is a perfect album title for it and I, I, I don't understand with the collaborations between these artists and labels, because, you know, we recently spoke about how Pete Rock um, or his estate is suing Nas's estate for samples on Elmatic. I just don't get how because these guys are brothers, you know, like real life homeboys. They can't just put whatever legalities aside or, or put the time aside and and just give us this. I just feel like it's not fair to the listener because this is something that. Not only we will enjoy and cherish because the, whatever they do, I feel like it's going to be amazing. Primo rarely misses. I you know, agree. Nas lyrically rarely misses. And as of late, it seems like Nas is doing the Benjamin Button because he's getting better as as age is going on. Mm-hmm. So I actually feel like Nas's later catalog is way better than his middle catalog as far as Streets Disciple, um, Godson, you know, that whole era. And um, the N-word tape, which he um, released, too. I just feel like it'll be a cherry on top of Nas's career. I know these guys are getting older. Vocals change. Times change. But this is something we need. Maybe they have some um, records cooped up that they would like to leak. But, yeah, that, that's an album I really anticipated. And every time I hear about it, it it's kind of like it just gives me the blue balls, man. Because we ain't ever see it. Yeah, man. And uh, you know, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I just want to, I just, I just want to ask Rev this question. You know, it, it kind of bugged me out too that we never got that album because I'm sure you remember this. You remember when they were on the cover of Scratch magazine yeah. together? Yeah, I that's said, what we all thought it was coming. Yeah, I thought it was going to be on the way. Let me ask you this question though, and and Candyman, you could chime in too. Why, why did we never get a Gangstar and Nas song? Mm. Guru, you think so? I think so, yeah. Because, because they because they could have been collaborated from then, and I'm like, how come we never got it? I thought that would have eventually would have happened. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. I, it got to be Guru because look how many times Nas and Primo worked together. Exactly. Guru also remember he distanced himself from Premier doing his Jasmine Taz albums. I know that's something he did even while they was a group, but he focused more on that. And then, um, unfortunately, he worked with um, Solar um, with uh, with um, a couple of his projects. And maybe we could save that for another episode because um, 
he yeah. died shortly after and there was a lot of things tied um in connection with solar um but just jumping back to the um scratch issue that was in um 2006 so this album has been teased for decades upon decades and mm-hmm. <laughs> i definitely would have loved the gangstar collaboration too i think it would just would would have fit just like the perfect puzzle piece but maybe al is right as far as guru and you know and i i've i stated on i believe the last podcast or the one before about how these artists didn't really like to collab with each other back in the day because they were being ultra competitive with each other that might have had something to do with it too true and you true. know what the worst part is as time is moving on we're probably not gonna get this album because Nas is not rapping over beats if Hit Boy don't do them. Yeah, Nas is all about moving forward. He doesn't even, from what I tell in the interviews, he doesn't like going back to the past. Like people say, oh, why don't you, you know, call Large Professor or call Pete Rock or call Primo or call LES? Like Nas always likes to move forward. You know, like those songs are classics, they're timeless, but he's always looking like Rev said. He's getting better with age and he's doing different things. So, yeah, he 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 loves working with Hit Boy and him him and Hit Boy have great chemistry and apparently it's it's very successful. He got a Grammy for it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we we'll see. I mean, I, I would hopefully they would they would do a full fledged project before you know something untimely happens because you know like I said everybody's getting old. Like Rev said, everybody's getting older now. Yeah. So would be good all right i guess it's my pick now for you listeners out there i'm gonna need y'all to do me a favor when y'all get a chance you go on youtube this album that i'm about to bring up doesn't have a name it was only mentioned once but it was mentioned on national television and the artist who was gonna drop the album didn't even know that this album was was supposed Uh to be (laughs) so puff daddy I knew it. <laughs> was on yo was on yo MTV raps with Biggie and Craig Mack. So Ed, so Ed Lover asks Puff Daddy, so what's coming up next for Bad Boy? And you see in the corner of the screen, Craig Mack is sitting in the in the in the uh in the sofa chilling. And Puff Daddy's like, yeah, Craig Mack working on an album. And as soon as he says Craig Mack working on an album, it's getting ready to come out. The look on Craig Mack's face was priceless. <laughs> it was. Priceless. <laughs> you would have thought Craig Mack seen a ghost. <laughs> oh, man. Like, first of all, I don't even know what Craig Mack was doing, but his head was down. The minute yeah. Puff Daddy told Ed Lover, you know, Craig Mack album coming out soon, Craig Mack been working on an album, is coming out soon, he picked his head up and had the most, the most shocked expression on his face like he seen a ghost. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> and then Craig Damn, back later went on when somebody asked him about it years later, he was like, I wasn't working on no album. Um, and, and, and it wouldn't make sense anyway for that time because Flavor in Your Ear, it was a platinum selling single. The album went gold and then Big dropped his album. So it's like, why would he hurry up and do another one afterwards when he's still you know, reveling in the, in the, even though Project Funk the World didn't do the numbers Ready to Die did, but still, there'd be no bad boy if it wasn't for Craig Mack. That was the first single, so I, I think he was just enjoying that, so it's like, there's a new album coming out, I'm ready to get back in the studio, this is news to me, so that face he made, I, I, I mean, I think he, I think he also scratched his forehead, he's like, what? I'm no, he's, he's, scr- he's, he scratched his nose. He scratched his nose, I was like, he was he was so confused with that when Puff made that announcement. I was like, oh man, bro, I don't know if Puff dad if Puff knew what he was saying or or he was just talking to talk. But yeah, he was just doing PR, <laughs> bro. The fact that yo, and then the, the the worst part is this is in 1995, and you know Craig Mack, uh, he dropped Operation Get Down in '97, but that was that wasn't on Bad Boy. He had been let go from Bad Boy. Uh, before then, but yeah, I mean, but here's the thing though: there are unreleased Craig Mack songs, like the original version of uh, "Tell Me How to Get Down" that later appeared on um, what was that Biggie's uh, album after he died? Where uh, oh, born again, did, yeah. But they did Craig Mack so dirty on that song; they took his vote, they took his verse off, but left him on the hook. I didn't like that either. But the original is floating around out there on YouTube. That probably would have been the single for whatever album 
Puff Daddy thought Craig Mack was working on. But my thing is, how are you the label head honcho and just lying like that? Unless Do you, you don't think, know what's going Unless uh, he didn't know what was going on at Daddy's house, but... Not only that, Candyman, you have to allude to the fact also, Biggie said some pretty disrespectful things about Craig later on. You think that also played a part? Could well, it could be, but oh, but but you know, Craig Mack throughout his time on Bad Boy has had some uh, has had some notable things happen in interviews, like the album that he didn't know he was working on, the interview mm-hmm. where he was eating the bacon, egg, and cheese. Like every time he did an interview, he would some some shit was just going on. It was kind of weird, man, with Craig, and and not to mention because he's from Long Island, and Brentwood. He, yeah, he's from Brentwood. Shout out to Brentwood. You know, and he and he was close friends with a lot of the P. He was close friends with EPMD. Yep. You know what I mean? And so it's like, who knows what that album could have been if 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 the attention was really put on that? Because after Big sold five million, that was it. You know, all the energy went into Big afterwards instead of. You, so, you know what? I, you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here, yeah. and I'm gonna say, I'm actually glad he never had a second album on Bad Boy because I don't think it would have sold. Probably wouldn't have at that time. Yeah, he wouldn't have got he wouldn't not. he wouldn't have got the same promo. They probably yeah. wouldn't have gave him the same budget as Biggie. Right. So yeah, he would have he would have ended up like uh he would have ended up like how G Dep ended up later on, you know. Mm. So okay. or any of the other bad boy guys of the uh early two thousands whose whose albums didn't sell. All right. But all right, Q, it's back to you. Yeah, I oh, know this by, one was oh, coming. By the way, oh, by the way, uh, we 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 working on a new podcast. That's that's what that's what's coming up. We got a new podcast with a new title. You see, I'm just trying to pull a puff, Daddy. <laughs> we, we do. If this was on camera, Rev would have did the crack back face. Yeah. Oh, what? what? <laughs> when we are. <laughs> um, for my second pick, you guys knew this was coming. If anybody knows me and know me personally, they knew this was coming. This album has become folklore. It's become myth. <laughs> Detox by Dr. Oh, Dre. Yep. And let's 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 do some history here. Detox was first announced in 2002. This was supposed to be Dr. Dre's last album. And just recently, of March of this year, there's a photo of Super Dre in the studio. And if you look closely, there's a whiteboard in the back, and you could see the track listing for Detox. I chalk it up to this. We know Dr. Dre is a perfectionist. And it was supposed to be every 10 years, he releases a record. If you do the timeline from The Chronic to 2001, and then nothing came after that. He was just in full production mode. People gloss over the Aftermath album because it, it was all over the place. You know, even and it's Dre, not a true Dr. Dre album either. It's a compilation. Yeah, yeah, it's a compilation. And Dre's addressed it on record. You know, when my last CD was out, she wasn't bumping me. He 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 let that be known. I forgot about Dre. And then the Chronic 2001. It was supposed to be the Chronic 2000 and uh, Chronic 2000, but with issues with Death Row at the time. You know, Dre just changed the name and he just what up, big it, and, he, and he just put it to 2001. On the Apple Podcast show, The Pharmacy, this is a quote. He said. The reason that Detox didn't come out was because I didn't like it. It wasn't good. The record, it just wasn't good. I mean, seriously, I worked my ass off on it, but I didn't think I did a good enough job. I couldn't do that to my fans. I couldn't do that to myself, to be honest. I think Dre is is a guy that's constantly working, and he just waited too long to drop it. And after a while, music changed, sound changed. Will it work? He did the Compton album because he got inspired by the Strata Compton movie, and this is considered a follow-up to 2001. And in 2018, he was teasing new songs. And then after the Compton album, he released this joint called The Contract, which is a soundtrack to the Grand Theft Auto game. There's a special mode in Grand Theft Auto where you have to find Dr. Dre's phone. And on the phone is a lot of music on there. And you play as Franklin for all you uh, San Andreas fans out there. So wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So in Grand Theft Auto, you got to find the phone, and Detox yeah. is on the phone. I didn't say Detox. I'm 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 just joking, bro. I didn't say Detox. I mean, it's it's basically the songs from the you know from the contract. 
from the contract album. Like it, it, it got stolen and you have to find it. It's actually a pretty fun mode for those that want to play. And um, the people that were supposed to be on Detox and the songs have leaked all over the Internet. You got Nas, you got T.I., you got M, you got Snoop, you got 50, you got Corrupt, you got Q-Tip, you got Marsha Ambrosia, you got Mary J. Blige, you got Jay-Z, you got Wayne, and you got Game. He shot two videos, Kush and I Need a Doctor. So I'm thinking, okay, um, this is finally about to come out. There was a delay in 2002 and in 2003. We first got Cube saying the album got delayed because he was supposed to drop an album on Aftermath, like a one-off, but that didn't come out. And then supposedly the beats he had for Detox, he gave to 50 Cent for Get Rich or Die Trying. And supposedly he gave them to the game for the documentary album in 2005. And other producers such as High Tech, Knox, Just Blaze, Scott Storch, all of them were on the album and they've all laid comments about it. Buster Rhymes was supposed to have vocals on it, but then there was a delay for Detox because the Big Bang album was coming out. So... I remember back in 2005 at the MTV Awards, Dre made an announcement when he got the uh, when he got the Icon Award. He was like, "Detox is coming," and DJ Quick was there for some of them sessions. And he said, "Yo, Dre's using real instruments. He's got real players coming in there." He says, "Sound-wise, it's better than 2001." I love the song "Topless," which which was leaked out featuring Nas and Ti. I thought that was refreshing. And it, it's just it's just become a myth now. And he was doing Dre beats, the commercials, the Dr. Pepper commercials. So at this point, it's all out there. What's the sense of putting out a detox album? You could just go on YouTube and just find a whole bunch of songs that you never heard before. So we'll, I don't think we'll ever get that album because it's for, so, for it so many much, man. Go ahead. Yeah, that that Kush track was garbage. He could have, <laughs> he could have not let us hear that, cause uh, after like that it. I'm like I don't know if I want detox for real. <laughs> detox is the equivalent of a kid asking their parent for a toy, and the parent keeps telling the kid, "Yeah, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll get it," and then by the time the parent is ready to give the kid the toy, the kid didn't grow up to be a teenager. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like the joke they made about the Friday film franchise god bless john witherspoon he says oh no uh, we can't do another friday because you know the midget who was in friday he's probably grown up by now they took the oh shit <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what he said god bless Sorry. For that. <laughs> but i love dre man and i wish that album would have came out i was looking forward to it i'm sure everybody else was looking forward to it but creative juices um all right rev next one is on you so we're going to stay with the Dr. Dre um, wave over here. I'm going to go with Rakim. Oh, my God. This was worked on between 2000 and 2003. Everybody was anticipating this album. Rakim had put the single out with, uh, well, actually, Truth Hurts put the single out featuring Rakim. Mm-hmm. Rakim was on uh, Jay-Z's The Watcher Part 2, which is sure. Dre produced. And then he also was on the Eight Mile soundtrack, and I believe 2002, 2003. Correct. There was a lot of creative differences between these two, and what Rakim did not want to do was be a beef rapper, and that's what Dr. Dre wanted was Rakim to not necessarily get into beefs, but pretty much kind of show off his shit and remind cats of who he is and Rakim did not want to go in that direction. It actually made Rakim appreciate Eric B more. And Rakim had stated that because when Rakim would work with Eric B, Eric B would just let Rakim do him. But Rakim also stated it was like night and day working with Dre, that their opinions were just not on the same page. Dre would play Rakim a beat. Rakim would want to do a particular subject or or go out of a particular way. And Dr. Dre was not with it. He just wanted, I guess at the time, it was like a lot of the uh, controversy rap, the beef rap. You know, we had 50 Cent, who was um, running the game at the time, who was into a lot of beefs, no pun intended, as far as running the game. But Rakim was not about that. Rakim definitely was was not getting into anything like that. He was He was way too seasoned. And it's a shame that this never came out. And they couldn't get on the same page because Rakim is one of the best MCs, even to this day. 
he's still doing it. Yeah, he's 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 still razor sharp. And I don't know with Dre, man, because even recently he was saying that to Busta Rhymes that he had did 247 songs during the quarantine. It's like, where are these songs? Why don't you want to, you know, your, your your legacy is already cemented, right? And, you know, I, I might be the minority in this, but I really feel like Dr. Dre is overrated. He has ghost producers. It's It's been on record that there's been ghost producers, all this stuff about detox and it not coming out. Like, you know, we're, we're giving this guy critical acclaim for the early 90s and the mid 90s and some of the late 90s. Yeah, he did the Chronic 2001. That was a great album. But. So many other artists have have are more decorated with their catalogs. And yes, Dre is a genius behind the boards, whether he uses ghost producers or not. You know, the man hears music in his sleep. And I get that. But why wouldn't you want to further extend your catalog or further extend your legacy and give us these songs? At, at this point, you could even read the comments when he stated about the 247 songs like where are they? Why why wouldn't you want to put them out for the public? Why we, we don't deserve this? Why can't we get these songs? Especially with the way music is going. And and that's what I was saying about as as far as Kush being garbage, that song is cuz I felt like he tried to adapt to what was going on with the auto-tune and whatever T-Pain was doing and all these other guys. Yeah, I think my son agrees back there too. <laughs> but yeah, as far as that I just, I just, I don't know. I, I don't anticipate Detox or any of the 247 songs because I don't know what direction he'd want to go. So, um, as far as Rakim, I'm on, I'm on Rakim's side with this one, and it's, it's just a shame it didn't come out. Maybe Rakim should have did something with DJ Premier. Yeah, yeah, he should have did something with Premier. I agree with uh, Rakim and, and Premier. Go, go ahead, Candyman. You got something? No, I was gonna say maybe Dre is just afraid of tarnishing his legacy because honestly. Dre don't need to put no music out. He's already made. So, you know, maybe if he puts an album out and, some, and you know, it gets to us and we don't like it and we say it's trash, then maybe that's what he's trying to avoid. But, I mean, I don't think Dre's overrated um, because some of the biggest records in hip-hop he's been behind. So I can't really, you know, his track record speaks for itself. I just wish he would put the music out. But, you yeah. know, I, 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 I'll say this about not I'll say this about I mean I know we talk about Rakim but just to go back to the Dre detox for a little bit if Dre ends up never dropping detox I would I'm at the point now where I'm over it and I'll be okay yeah yeah likewise like the, he's been talking about this album since like 2002 and it's 2022 20 years for one album I'm 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 okay mm-hmm. however yeah. I will say uh um I I did uh, I I might catch some heat for this, but when he when he and Eminem dropped I need a doctor, I thought that shit was trash. That that goes to show like how look how long it was trash. Been. Look how long it's been. The sound and everything has changed. The stuff you used to do is not gonna work. And I was digging the video because it told the story about how far Dre has come. He showed old NWA clips, old Death Row clips, and then he got into that car accident. He wakes up from a coma and he's rebuilding himself. So I, 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 I got that part. But now I think hearing what you guys are saying about it, I'm sure he heard the same thing. And Dre, it's so hard to convince him to do a record. He went on the record in an interview and said he didn't even want to do deep cover. And look how big deep cover is. He didn't want to shoot the video. He didn't want to do the song. But Snoop had to convince him to do it and it blew up. But let me not track away from Dre. Let me just focus on Ra, because all of Rakim's albums with Eric B, I love him. And then when he came out with the 18th letter, even though it was good, it just didn't have that same feel. And it and Ra's Ra, lyricism, awesome. Even when when I Be On The Mic came out with Premier, I was like, oh man, this is the one right here. This, this, is, this is the Rakim I love. So I would have loved to have seen him and Primo collab. And then when I heard he he was with Aftermath, I said, okay, this is going to be, this is going to be something interesting. And I heard what, what you heard, Rev. I heard there was, you know, discrepancies about the direction, you know, Rakim said it. He's like, Dre wanted him to be more aggressive and more, you know, confrontational and stuff like that. And that's not Ra's energy. If Ra's not feeling something, he ain't feeling it. I remember listening. You guys remember that Tupac, compilation that dj vlad did yeah no yeah, yeah i do yeah I do. yeah it was rap phenomenon 
Rob was supposed to be on it. And Vlad was playing him songs that he wanted him on. And Rob was like, I ain't feeling it, baby, Paul. So, like, if Rob ain't into it, he ain't into it. And he sticks to his guns. It's just like when he was rapping with Marley Marl when he first came out. And Marley Marl wanted him to vocalize a little louder than how he is. You know, Rob's a laid-back dude. And Rob wouldn't change nothing. This is how Rob raps. This is how he's going to stay. And it worked for Rob. Once Molly Maul heard how it came, he's like, okay, I see I see what you're saying. Because at that time, everybody's yelling. Everybody's really loud. Not Rakim. So Ra's a special dude. So when you work with him, if you got something that he's going to do, if he's into it, he's into it. If he's not, it's not going to work out. I would have been interested to see how that whole thing with Dre was going to work. But creative differences, two different energies. Word. Yeah, Rock, Kim, and Dre working together was a dream, but once they tried to make that dream reality, it just wasn't happening. But I guess this next, uh, the next one's on me. Uh, so to, to stay in that in that uh, that West Coast realm, um, this album was heavily talked about in interviews, but uh, unfortunately, when Tupac died, it uh, it squashed the whole project. There are bits and pieces of it online. Tupac was hell-bent on trying to prove that uh, the media uh, blew East Coast, West Coast out of proportion. He was working on a One Nation album. It was a compilation that was supposed to have Tupac, The Outlaws, uh, Greg Nice from Nice and Smooth, Big Daddy Kane, and a whole litany of others. Um, there, You could go on YouTube and type in uh, One Nation album or Tupac One Nation. The several tracks that were uh, going to be on that album, you can... Uh, you can listen to them. They've leaked. But um, imagine that. Tupac, Big Daddy King, Greg Nice, and the Outlaws on the record. Would have like been that, dope. That, that, that would have been everything. And Tupac, for, for months before he died, kept talking about One Nation, One Nation. Uh, Boot Camp Click was supposed to be on that, too. Goody um, Mob. Goody Mob. There's actually inter uh, interview footage. There's actually footage. You can go on YouTube and see it. They had recording sessions for One Nation, and there's a, a clip of Pac in the studio and Goody Mob arrives. Mm -hmm. He tells whoever is in the studio with him to get them niggas some chairs. Mm -hmm. So that album, uh, even a Pac, because I, I I enjoyed Goody Mob's first album. Um, this is classic. Soul, soul food, soul food. Yeah. So you know, imagine Pac and Goody Mob, and it's funny because bits, like I said, bits and pieces have come out uh, from that album. Uh, the track. Um, Military Minds with uh, with Coco Brothers actually they yeah. they they changed the beat and put it on uh the Better Days album. Yes, they did. I don't know why the rest of those songs that were already made didn't receive um didn't receive any official release, but we were we were gifted that one. But yeah, that that um yeah that that album would have been dope. Like I said, um, and Greg Nice had worked with uh. The, uh, the uh, he worked with Tupac already, and the official version of Tattoo Tears was supposed to be on um was supposed to be on that album too. If you yeah. listen to the one that actually came out on Still I Rise right before they start rapping, Tupac uh he, he name drops the Outlaws and Greg Nice. Yeah, he shot uh, him out. Yeah, he shot him out before his verse, but you know when the official version came out, the released version, um they left the intro there, so you still hear him say Greg Nice, but Greg Nice verse is not on there. And they changed the beat from the House of Blues, so. Yeah, man, that's a shame. But, but yeah, Tupac was hell bent on because he kept saying in interviews, he's like, "It's just a me and Biggie problem," and then other niggas just happened to have an opinion. But he was he was trying to prove that there was no East Coast West Coast. I think there was even a rumor that Wu Tang was gonna have some involvement in that One Nation album. Yes, he wanted to sign them to Death Row East. He was really cool with Wu Tang. He he had he had a a, a note paper. With the actual track listing, he had something with Raekwon, Jizza, a couple other people. Yeah, he, he was all in with working with the Whoop. Yeah, not to mention he had collaborated with Method Man on All Eyes on Me. Yeah. Well, got my mind made up. But um but yeah, so yeah, he I'm, that that would have been a crazy compilation. Pac, Outlaws, Wu Tang, uh uh Nice and Smooth and Big Daddy Kane, like crazy. Yeah, him and Kane worked very well together on that song, Wherever You Are. That's a fire track. And it never saw the light of day. Nah. And yeah, uh, that, just goes to show, that just goes to show you Pac's work ethic, because 
man is pumping out pumping out three to four tracks a day. I mean, Lil Wayne would obviously come come through later and have a have a higher work ethic. But at the time in '96, three to four tracks a day was almost unheard of. Couldn't stop him. He stayed in that studio. They said it. He didn't want no girls. He didn't want a party. He was just work, 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 work. And you could see in the footage, it's all over YouTube where he was like, we ain't got all this time and all this luxury to just be staying in here and just doing one song. We don't have it. So he was just, let's get these out. You know what I mean? Because everybody was saying, Pac knew, time is short. So let me get all this work out. Even when he didn't have a recording session, he was always writing and always recording because that's just how he was. I don't think we'll ever see a, a work ethic like that ever again. Never. But, but yeah, so One Nation chopped down because, uh, you know, Pac eventually, they, 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 they killed my boy in, in Vegas. So uh, I'm, I'm currently scheduled to go to Vegas in February. Side note, uh, I definitely will be. Uh, I will, I'm going to take a Sharpie with me and go to Flamingo and Cobalt. So pay my respects. Yeah, One Nation. Hopefully, you know, I, I doubt it'll ever see the light of day because it's been so long and, you know, Afini's no longer with us, so he really don't have an overseer to his music. Uh, I think Tom Whaley owns his his, uh, his unreleased music, but, you know, hopefully one day it'll, we'll get it, we'll get a couple new Tupac tracks. Hopefully. Yeah. And by the way, to all you people out there who are uh, believing that those are new Tupac pictures, y- y'all some real idiots. <laughs> I just wanted to put that in there. Talk about I. T- somebody, somebody on Twitter said that Tupac had iPhone 13 in 1996. I saw that. I saw that. But all right, Q. Uh, last pick is on you. All right, is anybody here familiar with CRS? What in the hell is that? Child Rebel Soldier. This was supposed to be the Kanye West, Pharrell, and Lupe group album. Mm. And they were together working on this from 2007 to 2013. They actually re- they actually released a, a single called... Now, it's funny. You could call it Us Places or U.S. Places, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it came out in 2007. And this actually made its debut on the Can't Tell Me Nothing mixtape that Kanye did. Lupe produced this song, and the song was supposed to have an English rapper by the name of Mike Skinner, but he couldn't make the session. So Kanye sent the song to Pharrell, and Pharrell did a verse for it, and they said, okay, we got something here. So they decided to form a group called CRS, Child Rebel Soldier, and the single made it to number 47 on the Billboard, and it was labeled as one of the best songs in 2007. The problem here was the labels. And this is the same issue that the firm went through. Because when you have an artist and they're on different labels, every label wants a piece. There's restrictions. So you got good music, which is Kanye. You got first and 15th, which is Lupe. And you got Star Trek, which is Pharrell. In 2008, there was a Glow in the Dark tour. And... All three members of the group were there because this is, you know, this is a big tour. The tour also had Rihanna and it also had NERD. And in 2010, Lupe said that the album would not only just be an album, but it would have music videos. And then there was a third concept to the album, but he didn't really make it clear on what the third element of the album would be. They did a remix to a song called Everyone Knows, which is a nerd song. And there's a video. That was directed by Hype Williams. Pusha T is in the video. And the video plays, it pays homage to retro video games. Donkey Kong, Space Invaders, and Galaga. You can actually see all that in the video. Here's another problem. Only four songs were done at the time because everybody was working on their own albums. Everybody was working on their own projects at the time. And the name of the album was called God Unwilling. And In 2010, Lupe went on a radio station in Vegas, Hot 97.5, and they asked him about the album, and he just kept giving them one-word answer. Nope. That's all he kept saying. Nope. Didn't reveal nothing. And apparently the album got shelved. 
in 2010, we had another song come out, and it was called Don't Stop. And this was released during the Good Friday releases that Kanye was doing. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Don't Stop was actually done in 2008. That's an old song that Lupe did, but it was just released. So now you fast forward, and now Kanye's working on Dark Twisted Fantasy, and they asked him about the album, and he said, you know, the album is still on the table. But then Lupe got on Twitter and said, nope, the album is not coming out. I think everybody just had their own little things going on. They tried to get together to do it, but they just didn't find the time to do it. That's that's about it. So I'm interested to see how that would have worked, because you got Lupe and Kanye together at Chicago, and you got Pharrell, who's worked with both. He's produced for, you know, Lupe, and him and Kanye are real close friends, so... I'm sure if they would have just sat in there, buckled down and said, okay, we're, we're only working on this album. That's it. They could have got it done. But I think they had so many projects they were doing individually. It was impossible for them to focus on what they're doing there and then focus on this. Hmm. Would we have even, well, I'll ask y'all, would y'all have wanted a, a Lupe Pharrell Kanye album? At that yeah. time, yeah. Sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. At that time, absolutely. That probably would have been a crazy production-wise album, and just and the way Lupe was rapping, <laughs> bring it on. Okay. All right, Rev. We spin it to you. Yes, sir. Last pick. So these are two albums um, that got kind of uh tweaked um released but it was tweaked and but it wasn't in the original album format so we got a combination of core mega the testament and method man to cal 2 and i remember these albums fondly because i was in the streets when these albums came out and i actually came across both street teams core mega being from queensbridge which is right around astoria so I saw the promotion right in front of my face. And with Method Man 2, I've always been a diehard Wu-Tang fan. So same thing, being in Manhattan, seeing the street teams hang this up, hearing Meth on um promotional runs on the radio talking about it. But as far as Method Man goes, it, it seems like he just focused more on the acting and the Hollywood stuff. And later on, released the Tikal 2000, which it wasn't the same um. It wasn't the same quality. It wasn't the same idea as Tikal 2. Tikal 2 was going to continue off the grittiness of the original Tikal. And I feel like what my beef is with hip hop and in in that time period is the sound had definitely changed. If you listen to albums from 1998 going into 2000, these artists gave themselves this weird, unachievable goal of making the new sound for 2000 and it definitely didn't work and we saw that a lot on um dragon's album who i spoke about dragon last podcast the the beats they were using the instruments the production the quality the sound was better because you know they they upgraded the tools they were using but the instruments itself it just was not hitting and with uh, to cal 2000 you heard some of that and so um sprinkled through the album it wasn't as gritty as the first one so that album wasn't um pretty much what was supposed to be a drop what method man had initially planned to do as far as cormega it was more so label issues cormega was originally with the firm and signed to def jam and there was a lot of blackballing I'm not gonna say the artist <laughs> but on his part trying to get cormega not to get any kind of promotion or drop these albums if you guys uh, were around for those days there was the survival of the illest mini cds that would come along with albums that you would buy where as far as onyx that came with one and it would preview or or um death squad that came with one as well it would preview some of the albums that were coming out on the label and give you little snippets of the songs where Cormega had his snippets um, also on the Foxy Brown album, too. And there was Dead Man Walking. There was the original Testament. There was a song called Coco Butter, which was supposed to be the um, one of the mainstream singles. And unfortunately, as I said, he got blackballed and Testament did not come out 
um as planned but mega had um bought the masters for it and released it himself he made a couple of um modifications to the album um may have took a song off or two and added a song or two but it's just a shame that when cormega was on his promo run he was gaining a lot of steam because queensbridge was notorious for having all these great rappers the, the the lineage of them being from one of al's favorite mc shan to mob deep to nas um tragedy Gaddafi, can't forget him the intelligent hoodlum so yeah. mega was pretty much going to pick up the ball and take it from there and be the next great artist from qb especially we're having the def jam machine behind him and that just got derailed pretty much by um the issues of uh whatever happened with the firm or anything like that so yeah these two albums did come out but it just wasn't the same a lot of times change is not good you know if you have it a way that people are used to hearing and they expect to hear it just leave it be you know uh i have the testament album i got that to album and i enjoyed them but then when you hear what they were supposed to sound like then you compare it was like well, well why'd they change it and yeah mega went through a lot with the label there was issues, you know, with beefs and everything. And Method Man, you know, as great as he is, same thing. You know, labels and producers and the way management works, man, all that glitters is not gold. And when they make all these different changes, it kind of hinders the creative process. Yeah, that, that, that is true. And, you know, there could be some other reason why they changed the album. You know, a lot of times, Things get changed due to sample issues and all this other type of stuff. So we never know. But uh, my last pick is another album that uh, that uh, got shelved due to a death. Um, so and this one I'm going to go back home for uh, around 2003. Uh, BG, uh, who was uh, doing his own thing with Chopper City. And um, Soldier Slim, who was doing his own thing with Cutthroat Committee, they started collaborating a lot. And they were supposed to have an album come out called Thug Brothers. And um, there's actually a song that made it to BG's album in 2004, Life After Cash Money, called Like That, where um, it's BG featuring Soldier Slim. That song was was confirmed that, to, uh, that it was going to be on that Thug Brothers album before bg eventually uh, got it that song of course soldier slim got uh killed in 2003 that album came out in 2004 um but yeah they were hanging out a lot after bg got off of cash money um even in uh on his album living legend they got a song together called you not my dog and um but it's i find it funny because you know sometimes the the record labels they'll they'll put out snippets of a record or they'll give you like a cd and they'll give you like a mi- uh, uh, a minute and twenty seconds of a of a preview of a track that's getting ready to come out. Right. Uh, that's how crazy the promo game was back then. But um, you're not my dog. It's crazy. That song is only two minutes, and as the track fades out before the next track starts, you can hear clearly these niggas is still rapping, which I always found to be interesting. But um, but yeah, man. Um, even in the video for uh, I keep it gangster. Um, even though it's a BG solo song in the music video, Soldier Slim is riding in the convertible with BG. Um, there's also footage uh, on YouTube that you can go see where uh, BG and Soldier Slim are in a studio session. And then for some reason in the middle of the studio session, Soldier Slim stops what they do and goes in the closet and pulls out an AK. But um, yeah. Wow, wild boy. He a wild boy. Yeah, Soldier Slim was a wild boy. And um yeah, man, that album, because uh, like I said, they were working together heavy um, at the time period, around the time Soldier Slim got killed. But I I mean, I know widespread appeal, probably nobody up here would have wanted to hear that record. But for all my people uh, in the NO, I know that album would have been big. Because um, again, you got a, a former Cash Money guy and a former No Limit guy. And at the time, nobody from the two sides was really doing anything. But BG, out of all of them, um, you know, he started working with Soldier Slim and C Murder. So who knows what what could have what could have happened with that BG Soldier Slim album? That's an album that that would have been an album for the streets, though. Like had it had they were had they been able to finish that album, that's not an album that was gonna go gold or platinum, but it would have been for the streets. 
that would have been a, a regional record. That 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 would that that would have stayed in New Orleans. I don't think it would have been meant to blow up, but you know. Yeah. 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 True. Totally. Like, oh, oh, it, unfortunately, it, they only had those two tracks, but there are rumors that more tracks existed because um, in that same footage that I mentioned, where where, where Slim pulls the gun out the closet, um, they had the the student. They had a studio engineer who was um, playing snippets of the songs already completed, and he went through like eight. He went through like eight tracks. One of them ended up being like that, which again was on the BG album. But the rest of them, nobody has heard to this day. So somebody's got those tracks on a hard drive stored somewhere. Well, I believe it. Somebody got them. And it would have opened, probably opened up a lot of doors for the other artists, too. Yeah, man. So, uh, and, they, and they had all producers who, uh, they, had all, they were working with all producers who, uh, up until that point, were relatively unknowns. Fun fact, uh, I don't know if y'all remember Mr. Calapart. Yes. Uh, he was was doing production for that album years before anybody had ever heard him with Soldier Boy. So, yeah, I heard Kyla Park with Bubba Sparks. Yeah, so Kyla Park was working with BG and Soldier Slim. So, uh, and they were also rumored to have production from KLC, who was on Beats by the Pound. So, you know, again, who knows? Who knows what they could have cooked up together? Yeah. But yeah, that that's 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 my that's my pick. So uh, for the listeners out there, whoever is out there, um, uh, if you got any albums that you think we should have mentioned, or if anything that we forgot or overlooked, you know, hit us raplabpod at gmail dot com, uh, Instagram DM raplabpod, Twitter raplabpod, and again, um, shout outs to Rasheed from Springfield, Massachusetts for for, for the episode idea. And people, we take an idea. So you got an idea. If, if, if the idea is uh, is up to Rap Lab standard, we'll, not, we'll do it and knock it out. Thank you for the email. And Keith, please, please keep bringing them in. We will answer them and we will go over them. The topic, we will present it and do exactly what you ask because Rap Lab is for the people. Yes, yep, sir. And, uh, and don't forget, we, we, we got that new podcast coming. Uh, we, don't know the, we don't know the new name or the new title or the new subject. Uh, you're gonna confuse the people man confusing me already i'm i'm just messing with you i'm just being puff daddy on your mtg rap all right if anybody believe that i got a land out in wyoming to sell for you if you believe that story about the podcast all right kanye but uh hey bring me kanye's money i wish but all right so we'll catch you we'll catch y'all next week Peace. Peace.